Well, if you don't know me, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at local church. We actually just, on, in January, launched our brand new campus in the city of Canton, Georgia. And it has been an amazing journey. God has been doing so much. I've been learning a lot, a lot of phone calls with Pastor Brian saying, hey, what should I do? Because God's doing something really special here. And you guys have set a great example of what it means to not just be a church in the community, but a church for the community. And God's opening up all kinds of doors with the local school systems, with local nonprofits, apartment complexes for us to get in there and to be a blessing. But one of the things that I'm really celebrating, last Sunday night, just about six weeks into this new church plant, we got to have our very first baptism. And I brought some pictures of that because baptism just kind of symbolizes why we do what we do. But here's why this baptism was so special. That's my son, Declan, who got baptized last Sunday night. And uh, it was just a, a really, really cool moment that I hope we always cherish. I just, several times this week, I've just been looking through the pictures and just reliving that moment. We're just kind of remembering that, that my son chose this faith for himself. Um, and and uh, that's, that's why we do what we do, is, is God opens the door. God invites us. God pursues us. We get to respond to that, and we get to come into a relationship with him that changes us for the better, for good. It's something that happens instantaneously, but it's something that also kind of expresses itself over the course of our entire life. And that's kind of what we're we'll be talking about leading up to Easter. We're in the middle of a teaching series called Changed. We're studying some people in the Bible who had an encounter with God, who had an encounter with Jesus that left them changed, changed for good. It was evident in their life. It was evident in their interactions. It was evident to the people who knew them. So their friends would be scratching their head and be wondering, man, what's different about you? And people just had to tell the story of what this Jesus had done in their life. What you're going to see in today's story is we're going to see there was a group of people, like oftentimes in the ministry of Jesus, a crowd in a synagogue where people were listening to him do what only Jesus could do, teach in the way that only he could teach, and do the miracles that only he could do. And there was this sense of awe most of the places where Jesus would travel. He had kind of become a celebrity everywhere but his hometown. And I don't know if you've ever met a celebrity before. I've only met a few, but every time I meet a celebrity, I incorporate it into my sermon because I want you to think that I'm cooler than I really am. There was this one time where I was at a wedding shower, a couple's wedding shower, and I didn't know this at the time, but one of the bridesmaids was married to a very famous NFL quarterback. Now, I'm not really a sports fan, so I had no clue that I'm sitting next to this guy who is all over ESPN and worth big chunks of money. His name was Kirk Cousins. You've probably heard of him back then, Washington Redskins, now Minnesota Vikings. All this was lost on me. I didn't find out until several weeks after the wedding <laughs> that I was hanging out with an NFL superstar. So about a year later, I would run into he and his wife at a restaurant. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go talk. Now I know who this guy is. I've gotten my act together, right? Kind of had a little bit more of a preconceived notion of how I'm supposed to act around a celebrity. So I go up to he and his wife at this dinner table, and I'm trying to play it cool. And I'm like, hey, guys, I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm not going to draw any attention. I just want to say, hey, it's been a minute since the wedding. You guys have a great dinner. And I could tell by the look in his eye that he had a faint idea that he had seen me somewhere <laughs> at some time. And that's how I became best friends with Kirk Cousins. 
you know, when you don't really have high expectations of somebody that you're interacting with, a spectacular moment can just pass you by. When we don't really have the right preconceived ideas of the person that we're talking to, we may not understand the magnificence of the moment that is about to take place. Our perceptions guide our reality. Think about the last time that you got in a fight with, with a loved one. It was probably over a misconception, a misperception, where they said something that was hurtful, but they didn't mean it to be hurtful. But because it was perceived as hurtful to you, it is hurtful. Even though your perception is totally different than their intention, your perception is your reality. And very often, our perceptions of people, our perceptions of places, our perceptions of church, our perception of what we're going to get out of the Bible guides our expectations of the way this scenario is going to play out. And in the ministry of Jesus, this the scenario in Mark chapter 6, you're going to see that the perceptions that these people had of Jesus, for some people, paved the way for them to have a life-changing moment. And for others, they missed it. They didn't have the right expectations. They didn't have the right perceptions. And so what they thought they would get out of this interaction with Jesus, some people had a high expectation, some people had a low expectation. But regardless of where they found themselves, their reality on the other side of their encounter with Jesus matched their perception of Jesus. You see, this particular moment in the ministry, in the life of Jesus, he was making his way back to his hometown, the town of Nazareth, which in an ironic stroke of penmanship, the Greek word, the, or the Hebrew word Nazareth, the name of this town in Israel actually meant branch. And it was a small town. This is maybe where we even get the word out in the sticks. Like this was a small country town in Israel. You guys here in Dawsonville, I don't know if you know this, but when people are coming down up here from the city of Atlanta to go do some shopping, they might refer to this as being out in the sticks. I don't know. But you know what it's like being in a small town where everybody knows everybody. Everybody is aware of their neighbor's dirty laundry. And here... At this moment in time where Jesus had gone all over Israel, preaching as an itinerant speaker, a rabbi, he was celebrated everywhere he went, but you're going to see he had a very different reception here in his hometown. I don't know if you grew up here or not, but when you go and visit your hometown, it seems to be that regardless of what you've accomplished or regardless of what you've built, regardless of what you've done, the people who knew you when you were little are going to have a hard time ever seeing you differently. And the same was true of Jesus. And those expectations and those perceptions that people had of Jesus very much guided their reality and their encounter with him. In Mark chapter 6, it says this in verse 1, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles that he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town 
among his relatives, and in his own home. He could do no, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. If you're going to do something that's going to amaze Jesus, hopefully your lack of faith isn't going to be the thing that causes Jesus' jaw to drop. Here he is. We have hometown Jesus, but yet he doesn't really seem to have the home field advantage. The majority of the people there thought, we know that guy. That's Jesus, the son of a carpenter. Not Jesus, the son of God. Not Jesus, the king of kings, lord of lords. Not Jesus, the God become man. That's just Jesus. Who does he think he is? Where did he get all these skills? How does he talk so good? And Because of their unbelief, some people missed out on the miracle and the ministry that is supposed to come along with the presence of Jesus. Because of their low expectations of Jesus, they had a relatively common encounter with Jesus that left the majority of people in the synagogue unchanged. The challenge that I think I would ask us to consider today is where do we set our expectations of what happens when we come to this place on Sundays? Where do we set our expectations when we spend time in prayer tomorrow in our quiet time, in our daily relationship with Jesus? Where are expectations of what God's word has to say for me, not just when a preacher is opening it up on Sundays, but whenever I can dive into it myself on a Monday what am I really expecting to receive for whenever I dive into the presence of Jesus? Remember, our perceptions guide our reality. So what is our perception of Jesus? What is our perception of a worship service? Is it just another Sunday? Are we in the, are we in the boat with the people who thought, oh, that's just Jesus? Or are we in the people who had high expectations? who thought, man, there's something to this. Are we going to be the people who walk away changed? Are we going to be the people who allow the ministry and the teaching and the ways of Jesus to change us? It has a lot to do with our expectations. I would say that our expectations of Jesus, they impact our experience with him. So what are you expecting out of your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with the people of God, your relationship with the word of God? When you approach these holy moments, do you come ready to receive? Or are you just going through the motions, checking a box? See, the same message was given to the entire crowd in that synagogue. The same availability for life change was made accessible to everyone in the room. Jesus wanted to do something in the life of everyone who was hearing his voice that day. Well, why did so few walk away changed? You've probably heard it said, well, you get out of it what you're willing to put into it. I would maybe have a different view on that. I would say we are willing to put into something what we perceive we will get out of it. And if we perceive there's a value add, then we will adjust our schedule, we'll raise our expectations because of what we think might be coming our way. 
So what are our preconceived notions about what's supposed to happen on Sundays when we gather? If we put ourselves in the shoes of those who walked away changed, then we should have an appetite. No, I would say we should have a hunger to be on the receiving end of ministry week after week when we come through these doors, when we open up God's word. Do we, do we, do we come with an open mind and an open heart saying, God, change me. I know there are things in my life that aren't really congruent with what your word says. God, you have permission to recalibrate, to rewire, to transform. God, I don't want to take this moment that I have with you lightly. Or is our prayer time more like this? Hi, God, it's time to eat again. <laughs> Better pray a blessing so I don't get food poisoning. I'll see you at dinner. See, we've got to learn how to let these moments of, of ministry, let these moments of power, these moments where we get to encounter the living God come to life in our world. Every Sunday is a chance for us to walk out of this place changed. Every moment we spend in prayer is a chance to ask God to do things that only he can do. The book of James actually tells us there are things that we don't have because there are things that we haven't asked for. Notice what happened here. It says that he could do, in verse 5, he could not do any miracles there. There are some things that even God needs permission to do. And their low expectations, treating him like he's the son of a carpenter instead of the son of God, treating it like it's just another Sabbath day, was translated by Jesus as unbelief. So when we come in here with low expectations, when we open up God's word with low expectations, may we not be guilty of having unbelief. Let's set the bar high. Let's give God a chance to do things that only he can do, that he would be glorified through. Let's be people who are willing to be changed so that when people ask us what's different, we're able to say, it's amazing grace. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Like, let's be people who the evidence of God is all over our lives, not because of what we've done, not because of how good we are, but because we fully expect that God is still on the move and that miracles can happen. I, I grew up in a church home. I didn't have some crazy testimony where I was living life in the fast lane. I didn't have some crazy experience with the party scene. Like I was saved as a small kid. And to be honest with you, probably like my son, most of my biggest mistakes have happened as a Christ follower. And so it's really easy, if that's you, to diminish your testimony and think, well, I don't really have a story worth telling. Like, it just kind of clicked for me at an early age, and all I've ever really done is Christianity. But don't neglect the miraculous nature of your own story, because regardless of what your physical circumstances were when you placed your faith in Jesus, spiritually speaking, it doesn't matter if you're a good Sunday school boy and girl, when you accept Jesus as the Lord of your life and you name him your leader, your forgiver, you and I, we went from spiritual death to spiritual life. The Bible says that you are a new creation in him. Friends, that is a miracle. You are a walking miracle. Don't take that Lightly. 
God has done a mighty work in you. In the book of Ephesians, it says that his work in you as a new creation, he describes you as his craftsmanship, as his masterpiece. He is very proud of the story that is being told in your life. So who are you to minimize the work that Jesus has done in your heart and in your life? Don't let the miraculous become mundane. This applies to so many areas of our lives. I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, near the Gulf Coast, one of the most beautiful beaches in the world. Sugar white sand, emerald green water. It's amazing. I grew up where people love to vacation. And I look back wondering, why didn't I spend more time at the beach? For some reason, we don't value things until they are gone. Isn't it weird how something that was once magnificent can become kind of meh? Like, I don't live in Dawsonville, but all the pictures I've seen of the end of the world, is that what it's called here? That, that there's a natural, what is it called? End of the world, end of the universe? End of the world? It, it looks amazing. Like, I've never been. I've got such an anticipation about, like, I got to take a Saturday and take my family up there. But you guys been here in Dawsonville all along. It's like, yeah, end of the world is pretty cool. Went there several times. Like, y'all are the headquarters of NASCAR. That's amazing, but it probably seems pretty common, pretty ordinary to you. How many things that are magnificent in our life have just kind of fallen down to the category of, meh, it's fine. It's not bad. It's pretty cool. Our relationships, our work, our relationship with our church family. Think about how amazing it was when something was new. When something ha still had that honeymoon feeling. Think about your work for a second. Did you realize in the first two chapters of the Bible, before God gave Adam a wife, he gave him work. Our work is very important to God because it's where you spend a lot of time. And you may be in a job that feels like it is just a dead-end job and you're just there to earn a paycheck and it's just a stepping stone until you can get into a career path that is more exciting. And maybe you're in a career that you didn't get trained for. And like me, I graduated college when the recession was happening and so nobody got a job in their degree field. Everyone got a job at Starbucks because it doesn't matter where the economy is, people are still going to get their lattes. But you might be in a career field where it's just, you've got a toxic work environment. You're not sure why God has got you there. doesn't pay as well as it could. But if we decide to take a step back and realize that there's purpose in every step that we take, maybe something that feels a little bit meh could become miraculous if you realize that just maybe God has an intention with putting you at this workplace. Just maybe you're supposed to be the one who is shining a light. Just maybe you're supposed to be the one who's supposed to end the gossip around the water cooler and stick up for the person who's always treated poorly at work. Just maybe your testimony is supposed to be shared at your workplace. Who knows why you are there? But if you realize that God has placed me where he wants me to be for this moment in time, what feels like it's pretty mundane can become miraculous if you see yourself as a representative of Jesus. Think about your relationships at home, your relationships with your friends, your relationship with your neighbors. There's probably a time when you held the door open for your loved one. 
When you were dating, you wanted to make sure that she never had to open up a door on her own. Chivalry will not die. But now, now maybe the honeymoon phase is over and just kind of phoning it in. You assume, well, they know how I feel. We're good. And then it's just another day with the people that you're supposed to value the most. I heard somebody say this. The best definition for honor I've ever heard is letting what is uncommon remain uncommon. Protecting the uncommon from becoming common. And Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor everywhere except his hometown. Everywhere Jesus went, he was treated as something precious and uncommon, and his ministry was cherished. Jesus was a celebrity. Crowds were gathering around to see what Jesus would do next, but he gets into his hometown, and then he's just Jesus. This is why I think apps like TimeHop are so powerful. If you have that on your phone, it sometimes pops up memories and pictures. And if we don't take time to reminisce and remember and cherish things that were once valuable, they just become commonplace. It's why we love looking at photo albums. I'm going to show you something here in a second that my mom just loves to look at and reminisce and reflect on when my brother and I were kids But you're going to see this picture in a second. It's not really a picture that I love to look back on and reminisce. Check this out. This is some Castleberry family. I still remember the day in that studio where my mom said, well, what about this? And I'm like, Mama, no. That's her favorite picture. Like, that is my mom's favorite picture of my brother and I. I don't get it. For a long time, I was just humiliated by it, but now it's just too funny not to share. But I have committed. I will never make my kids take a picture like that. But when we look back, when we reminisce, it lets us kind of count our blessings and realize what God has entrusted into us and allows us to let things that are uncommon stay uncommon. The curse of the common means that things that are familiar tend to lose their value. And because of their preset ideas about who Jesus was, his ministry was limited, was throttled back. And I think a whole room of people that were exposed to experience something miraculous, the vast majority of them just experienced another Monday at church. Another mundane Sabbath day at the synagogue. Man, does that sound a little bit close to home? See, when you and I, when we're going through the motions of our faith, who knows what we are missing out on? And let me just put this in a little bit more modern day perspective. It says because of their unbelief, because of their lack of honor, of of treating this moment with the value and, 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 the, and the intimacy that God wanted to have there with his people. So many of them missed out on something special. So if their unbelief, if their low expectations could have that much of an effect on the ministry of Jesus, the God-man, imagine what low expectations could have 
on a mere mortal like me or Pastor Brian. Like, here's what I know about Pastor Brian. He comes here every Sunday, and he preaches his guts out. He's an amazing man of God, and I have learned a lot from him. But if it's just another Sunday, regardless of how preacher, <laughs> how much he's preaching, regardless of how much spit comes on the front row, <laughs> regardless of how many amens are out there, what might you and I be missing if it's just another Sunday? What life change will I, what, what life change could we be missing out on when we come into this place and treat it like it's just another Sunday? So now think about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The time that you have in your car, the time that you have to open up God's word for yourself. Is it just another Bible study? Is it just another worship song? Is it just another podcast? Or is every moment a potential moment for my life to be changed? For my life to begin to wrap around the teachings of Jesus? See, friends, you and I, we've got to learn to let the moments matter. We've got to let these moments have the weight that they deserve. And when we start getting this right with our relationship with Jesus, when we start letting those moments matter, don't be surprised when you start realizing the weight of all your interactions with humans as well. You're, you're, you all of a sudden will have a greater sense of weight for who you are and the way you carry yourself at your workplace. All of a sudden there'll be a lot more weight for who you are and how you carry yourself at home with your family. All of a sudden you'll start having a greater sense of weight for the opportunities that God has created for you to share your story, to share your faith, to be his representatives. Because when you let the moments between you and God matter and your life and your heart begins to change more and more and God deepens his likeness in you and I, the moments that we have to interact with humans are going to matter more because we're going to see every moment as an opportunity for them to experience the life change that comes along with an encounter with Jesus. Because if you're a Christ follower, he's taken up residence in your heart. So where you go, he goes with you. So now, no encounter is an accident. Because if you've been in the presence with Jesus and you've allowed him to change your heart, not just once when you prayed a prayer to become a Christ follower. See, that's... The word we use is salvation. That's his work for you, his gift to you. When you name Jesus the Lord of your life, you are changed instantly. There's a transformation that happens, spiritual death to spiritual life. But there's another big theological word called sanctification. That's God's work in you. And that's something that continues from the moment you cross the threshold of faith to the moment you cross the threshold of death. And stand before him. All that time in between. All the days that you'll walk this earth. God is deepening his Christ likeness inside of you and I. That's what sanctification means. It means that we are constantly being changed. It means that we are constantly being developed. It means that we are constantly allowing our opinions, our preferences, our desires to be set aside. As we become more and more like him. Life change was never meant to be an event. 
It's a way of life. And when we understand that, the people we come in contact with, that's an opportunity to show off the goodness of God. Not the goodness of you and I. If anything, what we brag about in our faith is our weaknesses and our need for God to show up. Let the moments with God matter. Corporately as a church family, but personally as a son of God, as a daughter of God. Let's be the people who walk away from these moments changed. Remember, the same teaching, the same ministry, the same songs, the same time that they had together there in that Jewish synagogue. The door was cracked open for everybody to be on the receiving end of that ministry, to be on the receiving end of that moment with Jesus. But those who walked away changed had everything to do with their expectations and their belief about who Jesus is and what he could do. I think that's why he says you're supposed to receive him with a childlike faith. Over the course of the last 12 months, it's pretty understandable that the weight of everything we face in this nation, that it would just kind of maybe beaten some of that childlike faith out of us. It makes a little bit of sense that maybe there's a little bit less twinkle in our eye in 2021. After everything that life has taken, it's really easy to just kind of settle for the status quo and to just do your best to survive. But child of God, you are meant for more than that. Let's raise our hopes. Let's fix our focus on Jesus. And let's ask him for big things in the days to come. And let's realize that every moment we spend together as a church family, every moment we have as individuals in his word, is an invitation for our lives to be changed. What are you hoping for? What are you trusting in God for? What are you asking? What is a, a, a prayer that is so crazy that the only way it could get answered is that if God shows up? Dream big because God is still on the throne. And because of who he is and what he's done, anything is possible. Let's pray. So Jesus, over these next few minutes, as we sing one last song together about being changed from the inside out, Lord, I pray that we are willing to confront our lack of faith, that we are willing to confront our low expectations of just going through the motions, and Lord, that we would, we would summon the courage to trust you, to ask for something big, to ask for miracles, to believe that anything is still possible. Lord, let us walk out of this place, not like those who just went through the motions, not like those who just showed up out of religious obligation. Lord, let us walk out of this place that, as that small remnant of people who were actually changed. From the inside out, Lord Jesus, we want to walk out of here different. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.